This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tool. Back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal News Show. I hope you're doing good. I hope you are well today. It is the weekend. We can be happy. We can be relieved and relaxed that we can enjoy this weekend. The only thing that you have got to worry about is that Arsenal are not going to relax you at the beginning of the weekend for once and instead we got a Sunday game which of course we'll be covering across tomorrow I am working the game for football.london as per so the reaction show will be later on in the evening probably around eight o'clock ish so make sure you do tune in for all the good stuff around Arsenal's match against Watford if you want to check out our preview we'll be doing that live today probably around four or five o'clock with some of the members We'll be letting you know when that will be going live. You can follow us at the Guna Talk TV to find out all the latest information about the channel, of course. Good morning to everybody in the chat box. We've got Colin, we've got Jose, we've got Aaron, we've got GGTV for you, we've got Manu, we've got Daz, uh, we've got Napa Fire, we've got uh, we've got Canoe3A, we've got Matt, we've got Jez, we've got uh, Stephen. Uh, we've got Daniel Robert joining us. We've got Vinny as per. Plenty of our usual members in here as well. Olu, thank you so much for joining us. Mark, thank you as always for your support on the Arsenal way. Always spot you in the chat box as well. Thank you to everybody that's showing your support for the Arsenal way. Please make sure you do go subscribe over there. We're nearly, nearly at 4,000 subscribers, which when you consider what we started from nothing in September... To be nearly at 4,000 subscribers is is mad. So thank you so much for the continued support. You can go watch uh, Mikel Arteta's press conference on the channel as well, as well as a lot more stuff. And there should be some interesting things coming for you guys over the international break as well, which should be a lot of fun. But without further ado, let's kick off with our first story. And that is that Konstantinos Mavropanos has been speaking about the possibility of him joining Stuttgart on a permanent deal now. Effectively, this is already going to take place. Uh, Stuttgart do have a clause in the contract of Mavropanos, which will allow them to buy the player on an obligation should they stay 
in the Bundesliga this season. And if you consider the fact that Stuttgart are not really in a relegation battle, they're currently sitting 13th. I say that. I mean, they are one point away from that relegation playoff place. But Armenia and, and uh, Griffith Firth are both two teams that look destined to go down. You've got the lights. I mean, Frankfurt have really fallen off the wagon. Uh, you've got Bochum down there, Augsburg too. Uh, Hertha Berlin, Cologne, all teams that could still go down. But uh, Stuttgart in particular, I'd be very shocked to see them go down. A run of results, only won one of their last five games, has kind of dropped them down the table a bit since their early season push. But Mavropanos has been one of their most standout performances uh, this season. Easily one of their best players. I think he's actually uh, up for the Bundesliga uh, kind of in the team of the month this month as well for for at least October. So very impressive performances from him. And he is set to leave the club in the summer for around 3 million-ish euros, which is not a lot. Now, Kieran Trippier was previously linked with a move to Arsenal back in the summer. Arsenal instead obviously opted for Takahiro Tomiyasu from Bologna, who has done exceptionally well. We did quite a few shows about Kieran Trippier and about how his experience would have been very beneficial for the club. And as Arsenal will be looking for backup right-backs with the future of their current crop, simply not of the level required. And that's why they obviously went for Tomiyasu. Bellerin's future still very much away from Arsenal, it seems. What this means is, is that will Trippier be back on the list? Well, ironically, of all the teams that are interested, Newcastle look to be the big club that are interested in taking Kieran Trippier off the market. Now over the age of 30, I think we've probably missed the boat on this one now. It would have been good to sign him in the summer uh, with this season and a couple of other seasons. But now his age profile probably bleeds him away too far for a two, three-year contract. Arsenal are in a very good place and there are some options that Arsenal could use instead of the England international. But Newcastle, the team pushing for Kieran Trippier now. Matteo Genduzzi, again linked with Newcastle now as well. The Magpies are certainly making waves in the rumour mill. It is a very, very, of course, hectic period for Newcastle. They are so far without a win in the Premier League. That could change this weekend, although it is unlikely. Uh, but they will go up against uh, plenty of teams that will show interest in Matteo Genduzzi in the coming windows. But they will need to act, it seems, this January with Eddie Howe set to take over the club very, very soon, if not already. And Matteo Genduzzi, after a really good opening start to the season, that second call-up to the seat, well, second this season, I believe, call-up to the French senior national team. Massive boost for him. Could be on their list. He is set to leave Arsenal in the summer. There is a there's pretty much no chance that Genduzzi stays, despite some words about from Mikel Arteta previously. The expectation is the clauses in his loan deal with uh, with Marseille mean that he will be leaving the club at the end of the season for around nine million quid, which is just a really small amount of money. Crazy if you consider how good of a talent he could be. It's just those attitude issues that have let him down for Arsenal. And they will now get a very minimal fee for a player with a lot more talent than his market value suggests, which is a big, big shame. Now, our primary story of the day is, of course, around Dusan Vlovic, uh, the Serbian international Fiorentina striker, Goal-scoring extraordinaire, uh, 21-year-old. I still believe he is indeed still 21. I might be wrong on that, actually. I'm going to do a quick Google search. because I don't want to give you that wrong information. 21, he is indeed. He turns 22 on the 28th of January. Now, yesterday, news broke, according to Dimazio, 
that Arsenal would be willing to pay the 80 million euro kind of fee that Fiorentina or Laviola would be demanding for Dusan Vlovic. He is a player that we know is exceptionally highly rated among strikers in Europe, a player that smashed scoring uh, records for Fiorentina last season has been compared to the likes of Erling Haaland for his young or youthful kind of exuberance and the amount of goals he scores at such a young age. For a team like Fiorentina, helping them to try and push as far as they can up the Serie A table, they're no longer the force that they were. Uh, and you think about the times of like Batistuta, etc. But there's so many big teams in Italy now that push towards that top four places with Juventus and even themselves struggling so far in the Serie A campaign. Fiorentina have needed Vlovic to push them away from kind of mid-table austerity. And losing him will be a big, big loss for them. And they will need to reinvest that money that they get for Vlovic very, very carefully. But the story on Arsenal is that Arsenal supposedly have agreed to pay the figure that Fiorentina want. However, the bad news is that uh, Vlahovic reportedly is waiting for better and bigger offers from other clubs. He believes, it seems, that he can go to some of Europe's elite teams. Uh, I mean, above, above Arsenal, you're looking at, obviously, the bigger clubs in England that are competing on a higher level, Manchester City and Liverpool. Chelsea, you think, wouldn't be in for him because of the strikers they currently have. Liverpool, maybe because of their striker situation. Manchester City, also a team that you know would be in need of a striker in the coming windows in Germany. Would Bayern Munich be looking at him as a replacement for Robert Lewandowski in the long term? Possibly. Could Dortmund look at him as a replacement for Erling Haaland? Should he leave in the summer? Would Real Madrid or Barcelona be interested in him? Or Atletico Madrid? Possibly so. There are a number of teams that he could be waiting for, even the likes of Juventus as well in Serie A, into Milan possibly too. Lots of teams have been interested in him. Arsenal are said to be the team to have made the first move on this, but he is not as keen as it seems. Now, in regards to the reaction to this news, I have seen people disregard it, knowing obviously now that he supposedly is not keen. All I would say is in regards to how how much truth is there in these rumours. From my perspective, and I know our Discord server kind of exploded yesterday talking about this, and I said I'd chase this up. From our perspective... I've heard nothing. Like there's, I, I can't corroborate the claims that Demarcio has put out there. It is so far just the outlet that is claiming that this is indeed the case. I'm not saying Demarcio is wrong. Demarcio is a very well-respected Italian media outlet, and uh, and he himself, Demarcio, reporting this story. I mean, other than the fact that it was drawing quite a lot of attention, it doesn't seem like it's uh, it's completely made up, and that the interest of Arsenal, I'm sure, is certainly there. The thing is, is that I understand why he would be reticent so far about joining Arsenal. If you consider the fact that we're out of Europe, we still need to get back into Europe. There's no guarantees next season. Arsenal still do have Aubameyang here, who is going to be here for at least another season. So minutes as a central striker are not 100% guaranteed next season for him either. He knows his quality and his talent and knows how many goals he's scoring will put him in the kind of sights of some of the biggest teams in the world. And it's smart for him from his position to not just go, okay, yeah, £68 million offers come in, it's been accepted, whatever, I'm going to go there. He has all the control over his future with him denying uh, the possibility of a new contract in uh, in Florence for the summer. And that means that he can pretty much choose and pick where he would like to go 
from the clubs that are interested in him. So it makes sense that he will uh, kind of be a little bit subdued. What I would say from this is that clearly, if this does turn out to be the case, Arsenal have the financial clout to really push for a quality striker this summer. That is certainly going to be uh, an interesting chase in the upcoming windows. What's interesting about this story is that it's for January. That the January window is being targeted supposedly for Arsenal to go big on a striker. We know that we're going to be losing a Bamiang. We know that Lacazette's future is very much up in the air. We know that Enketia's future is also very much up in the air. And the likes of following Balogun needs a loan deal to really kind of cement his kind of reputation at the senior level and be getting regular minutes at a club at senior at senior level. But for a, I did not expect Arsenal to go big for a striker in January. If this story does turn out to be the case, that's interesting. Um, and I risk like fair play. They are going to have to pay over the odds for the strikers in January that they want. If they can't get their number one target, will they then go off to another one? Will they go down to plan B or plan C or whatever? It's impossible to tell at this stage. But it's encouraging. I like this link. I like the story. I like the fact that we're seeing Arsenal linked with these big money moves for strikers in particular. It shows they're very much looking to try and get the best possible striking option in the summer or in January as they can, which is really, really positive. That is the end of the news. However, it doesn't mean it's the end of the stories about Vlahovic because you guys can ask your questions now in the chat box. If you have something that you would like to ask, you would like to throw into the chat box a thought, a theory, a question or query, please do throw them in and I'll try and go through as many of them as feasibly possible. But let's get some of your reaction to the stories about Vlahovic and uh, what you guys are saying. Stephen says, the perfect forward, quick, holds the ball and is deadly as well. Matt says, these Vlahovic rumours sound like an agent talk. The player isn't signing a new deal with Fiorentina, so his agent is using Arsenal to drum up interest. Not the first time that we've ever seen that happen and Arsenal be used in this sense. So there you go. I'm, I can't disagree with you there, Matt, whatsoever. Um, House African says, pity if true, he'd fit into our youth model so well. Our team is five years now and is going to be elite. You do look at the young players that we've got and how they may develop into some really top-class players in the future. Uh, Amin says, I feel that Locatelli kind of story all over again. We agree with the club and the player turns us down. We did, of course, agree a fee, supposedly, with Sassuolo in the summer for Locatelli, and he didn't turn into anything. Harvey says, if it's true, he doesn't want Arsenal, I would look elsewhere. Again, this is a really strange one for me. If a player at first turns down Arsenal, I'm not turning around and saying I don't want them. I'm not so proud about my club that I turn around and say that every player should want to come here over any other club. At the end of the day, we can't be so arrogant about where we are as a team. And we need to convince players that the project here is, is going to be beneficial for them and that they need to get on board and they're going to be in here for the right reasons. Funnily enough, not everyone is an Arsenal fan and we can't expect everybody to just immediately be desperate to come to the club, especially a player like Vlahovic has seen interest from the biggest clubs from around Europe. It's not going to come very, very easily for him to want to come to Arsenal over the likes of Juventus, Real Madrid, etc. And so we've got to convince him that this project is right. I would, I am glad that I don't have negotiators at the club that are on the lines of, if they're considering kind of looking at Arsenal or they're looking at other options, they're going to go, no, it's either you pick Arsenal or no one. Because we, let's be real, we would really find it tough to sign the top, top players in the world if that was the case. So we need to grind players down and we need to be able to sell them a project 
that is going to be attractive enough for them to want to join us. Um, next gen Arsenal, yes, he would improve us aerially. He is much, much more adept in the air than the likes of Aubameyang and Lacazette is so far, and he would certainly add to our aerial threat. So there is that as well. Vinny says, "Is spending eighty million on one player a bad move? Look at the pressure it puts on Pepe. If we sign Pepe for thirty million, he would be under a lot less pressure. But would he be any better? It's impossible to know. Ultimately, has that price tag really affected Pepe? I'm not sure that it has." I don't think the price tag has actually affected Pepe. I think the only thing that the price tag has done has affected how we as fans perceive the player. I think Pepe's played pretty much how he's always done at Arsenal. He's been pretty consistent. His performance is not necessarily great, not necessarily awful, just fairly average and decent at times. Like it's, I don't think the price tag is going to be an issue. No matter what, Blurvich is going to move for a massive fee. The likes of Holland is going to move for a massive fee. All of these players in these kind of brackets are going to move for huge figures. It's just part and parcel of what football is these days. Has the £50 million figure affected Ben White? No, he was my player of the month for October. Has the biggest figures in the world affected the likes of Thomas Partey? No, I don't think it has. So I don't think that it's always going to point towards a huge fee affecting the player. It's just part and parcel of football these days. I'm happy to see that Arsenal clearly are willing to invest heavily in this striking position for the future. That's something that I'm very much encouraged by. Paul says, Ramsdale and Tomiyasu were all in on the Arsenal train, and that's part of the reason we love them so much. Shouldn't we expect this from all of our buyers? No, Paul, we shouldn't expect this from all of our buyers because at the end of the day, Tomiyasu had ourselves and Spurs interested in him. Obviously, from his words, we've seen how much he wanted to join Arsenal over Spurs. But the difference between us, or the difference between Tomiyasu and Vlahovic, is that Vlahovic has got the likes of Juventus, Atletico Madrid, Manchester City, Liverpool have all been linked with this guy. Why wouldn't he, in that situation, as not an Arsenal fan, wait around to see what kind of offers would come in for him as well? That's what I would say. So, no, it's not always expectant. But if they do sign, the expectation is that they want to go absolutely and give their 110% for Arsenal Football Club. Ramsdale, again, there wasn't any other clubs that we were looking at Ramsdale at the moment we signed him. It's a very, very different situation, but they have proven to be very good signings. Should we also sign a striker that's a little bit left field? I think we may need to, to provide some cover for whoever we sign as our marquee striker because Aubameyang won't be around forever and the likes of Follower and Balogun are still very, very young. So I would be looking at the likes of Paul Onoachu from Genk, for instance, the Nigerian forward, to bring in as possible support to Vlahovic to give us another option in the team as well. So I think there's definitely all of the possibility in the world that we sign a very marquee forward in the next kind of six to eight months. We'll wait and see, um, but it's going to be an intriguing time for strikers. Uh, Stephen says, question, still need two centre midfielders in January as well. I don't think we need two in January, Stephen. I think we need at least one. Two is a little bit much. It does depend on who leaves. We have Lukonga, Partey, Xhaka. We then sign one. That's four. You've still got Mohamed Elneny here. You've still got Ainsley Maitland-Niles here. You have got players. You've got players coming through the ranks as well, like Salah and Patino, that can also play in midfield. Akinola too. You've got a lot of depth there. I think you need one at least in January. The next one can come in the summer in the form of maybe a Zachariah that's out of contract at the end of the season. It all depends on who leaves, who stays. But right now, based on what's available to us, 
I think one would be fine in that central midfield position in January. Uh, Olu says, hey, Tom, do you have any concerns considering his age and he has only had one good season at the top level? Yes, I do. And I talked a bit about this on uh, the Canton and Simu show over on Harry's Chronicles of Aguna channel. That's the show where me and Harry do one every week. We alternate it. This week, we're on his channel. Last week, we're on my channel. Next week, we'll be on my channel again. So make sure that you are subscribed to both the Guna Talk and the Chronicles of Aguna to get that show. But... Yes, there's always going to be concerns. And that's why I would lean towards uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin over someone necessarily from Europe in the same kind of bracket of quality because they've got that Premier League experience. They're already transitioned. They're in England International, which feeds into kind of the homegrown chemistry that we're building up between the side right now. I would move for someone like that. But the difference is that Vlahovic has the opportunity to be one of the best strikers in the world. Can you pass up the opportunity if it arises to sign someone of that quality I'm not sure that you can. So it's it's a really difficult balancing act that you need to kind of find the answer to, which is not going to be easy. But what you have to say about Edu and Arteta in the recruitment field is of the signings that they've made, they've made a lot more Ws than they have Ls. If you think about it, only Willian and Alex Runison you look at as players that have really kind of fallen down on. All of the others, Gabriel, Partey, Odegaard, Matt Ryan, um, Tommy Asu, Ben White, Ramsdale... Nuno Tavares, Sambi Lakonga have all looked really good so far. Um, and I'm very happy with, with the signings that we have made under those two. So things have changed a lot with the way that we've signed players. So I have a lot more faith in our recruitment policies and how we're bringing in players. I think based upon the reaction to our summer, in the summer, that people need to be a little bit more or rather less judgmental about the players that we're maybe linked with and have a little bit more faith in what the guys behind the scenes are doing right now because I think it's proving to be very beneficial for us. Um, Jonathan says, if according to Aston Villa, Mill smith Rose worth is around £25 million, perhaps we should offer £8 million for McGinn in January. It would be good for depth. He's only signed a new deal recently. I know that your uh, comment is tongue-in-cheek, but... He has only signed a new deal very recently. I still think they would ask for a ridiculous figure. Um, Dan, no. Uh, uh, or actually, sorry, I didn't read your comment properly. Probably. I mean, I'm not I'm not moving away from Salah. Uh, I can't afford to move away from Salah. He's just too good at the moment. So, no, he is still my captain, and I'm very much keeping him as captain. Gigi says, I think this move shows ambition from the club, if true. Absolutely. I think it's great to see Arsenal link with big money moves for strikers. It shows they're not taking this situation... Uh, lightly and that's a really positive thing moving forward um igk says arteta has signed zero attacking players he has focused on defense which makes sense but for top four next season arteta must be given a new striker pure cdm as well i don't disagree obviously we've signed martin erdegar who's a player that plays in that forward line but he's also been really good at bringing through Smith Rowe, bringing through Bakaya Saka. Those two have definitely improved under Arteta's coaching and tutelage. And I mean, he's, he's pretty much made a whole new position for Smith Rowe and Taylor made it for him and really improved Smith Rowe in that role on the left-hand side. So that's really positive. We know that he did some really good work, the likes of Leroy Sane and Sterling when he was at Man City. He seems to be having a positive impact on Smith Rowe. I tell you what, that's one of the biggest tells for someone that holds an agenda against Arteta is when you turn around and say about how Saka and Smith Rowe have improved under him and they say, oh, they're young, they'd always improve. If that was the case, you wouldn't see any 20, 21-year-olds being very stagnant with their careers. I'm sorry, it still takes good coaching to improve these players and to see them get to where they are now is a lot in part due to the coaching they've received under Mikel Arteta. It would take someone with a very big agenda 
to turn around and say that he's had no bearing at all on the way things have gone. Uh, Magic says, uh, should we go for Izan, uh, Ivan Tony or uh, Isaac instead? Ivan Tony, I think, has struggled, actually, adjusting to the Premier League as I thought he might do. I still am going to wait until the end of the season for a pass full judgment on him, but I'm not right. I'm not keen right now. Isaac, again, I'm not 100% keen on Alexander Isaac. I just think, I think he'd be more of a risk than Blahovic personally. I think he's someone that is very much attributed to playing around this Real Sociedad model. I know he scores a few goals for Sweden as well, but I just, I'm not 100% convinced by Isaac, whereas I'm more convinced by someone like Blahovic. Just it's just something about Isaac that just doesn't quite convince me. And this is coming from someone that loves to follow players in La Liga and see them succeed. I just there's just something about him that I'm not 100% convinced by. And I think there was a big, big kind of boost of watching him for Sweden in the Euros. And then people haven't really bothered to watch him for Real Sociedad this season and just still got that same opinion from the Euros. So there's always that as well. Um, Tommy said, uh, if I could go back to the time when Arsenal was at the top, that would be the best for me. So I don't want to move. And hopefully he helps us to get there. So I can't disagree with your comment. Uh, Tony says, morning, Tom. If it's tough for us to make top signings, uh, how hard will it be for Newcastle? Massively difficult. They've got to survive a relegation battle. They're going to take ages to build to where they want to be. Maybe they even go down. We'll have to wait and see. Um, Olu says, I'm against the Onuatu move. No other clubs in the big six makes these types of signings in their striker position. They have a top-class starter and a young backup uh, or top quality. I'm not sure that's always the case. I mean, you look at Man City, they brought in the likes of Alvaro Negredo uh, to go alongside Sergio Aguero. So I don't think necessarily that's that's always true. Manchester United brought in Dimitar Berbatov to play with the likes of Wayne Rooney. So I don't think that's always the case, Olu. I think big sides do go out and add experienced figures, sometimes add big backup players to their team. It's not always uh, it's not always everybody, but I don't think you would say that they never do that. I think some teams do go out and sign players just to add kind of that extra dimension to their side. I mean, you look at Inter Milan, they still got Latara Martinez, they have sold Romelu Lukaku. They brought in Edin Dzeko as their backup striker, as their additional striker to support Martinez. And they're still being, and they're linked with Alexandra Lacazette too. So I don't think it's always going to be that way, uh, but we'll see what happens. Ajit says, Tom, us signing midfield is more likely than signing a striker in January. It's of a more of a pressing need. Just because it's more of a pressing need, Ajit, doesn't mean it necessarily will happen. We said this about midfield in the summer and we signed an attacking midfielder in Ramsdale at the end of the summer. So there's no way that it's guaranteed we'll go for a midfielder. It seems to be, if anything, that the striker situation is more uh, clued in. Mohamed says, uh, what do you think about Darwin Nunez at uh, Benfica? I think he's being linked with clubs like Brighton for a reason. I'm not sure he's at the level yet to see links with the likes of Arsenal and it to be kind of, you know, that he's going to be at that level. I think it's, I think he needs to take that next step before going to a club like Arsenal, personally. Uh, Dan says, Morning, Tom. Hope is all is well, mate. I've always liked the look of Enesri. Plays out wide as well as striker too, which would be useful given Pepe's slippery slope. I think that Enesri is definitely a very, very good option for Arsenal to look at. He's currently faced a fair few injury issues this season, which has kept him out annoyingly because he was doing really well at the start of the campaign as he was building on from his stellar season last year. But, He's certainly someone that I would take seriously as an 
option. Uh, Manu says, could Arteta mould Onuachu into a Lacazette role? He plays more like a Bamiang, real poacher who gets by because of his physical presence. I like when we play with a lacquer type. Do you agree? I think that we need someone that can play off the striker and has that link. Now, it doesn't have to be a lacquer style player. It could be, you know, natural number 10. It could be a Martin Odegaard style player. I don't think you need to be married to a certain style of player for a system to work. I think you need to create a team that uses and gets the best out of the players that we have. So if we sign someone like Onuachu, you play him in the best position it is. You don't necessarily try to mould him into a second striker. I don't think that would suit a system. If we signed Onuachu, I think we would look at him as more of a back up to the marquee style forward that we would be looking to bring in so there you go um magic says uh with Xhaka out for long wouldn't it make sense to promote the academy rather than spending january games coming in thick and fast soon plus party will be off to the african cup of nations not necessarily because arsenal need to sign in central midfield if we sign someone in January, it just accelerates that process forwards from the summer. Arsenal are interested in signing a central midfielder. We know this. We don't know who their primary target is right now, but they want a central midfielder, even with Xhaka's injury. Even before Xhaka's injury, they wanted a central midfielder. So it may happen in January. It may not. Nick says, do you think Saka could ever be transformed into a striker or is he better in the build-up? I don't think so. His finishing ability is the biggest weakness of his game, in my view. It's the area that he needs to develop the most. His creativity is great. His dribbling is great. His take-ons are great. His passing is great. It's just his finishing ability. That's the big area of his game that he needs to improve in. So, no, I don't think I would put him at striker, personally. I think he's very much... A winger. Uh, Asmarom says, Tom, last year, did Edu and Arteta make a wrong decision in bringing in Erdogan instead of Dominic Zoboslai? They have been tra- uh, tracking him for a long period of time. Very physical, athletic and technical. Look, everyone knows my liking of Dominic Zoboslai. Uh, he is a brilliant, brilliant talent. And I loved how he gave it to Neymar the other day uh, and just put his penalty away very calmly against PSG. Um, did we make a mistake? I would always say yes, because I like him. But Odegaard is a very talented young player. People forget how young he is because he's been around for a very long time because he's been on the scene since he was 16. He's 22. He's showing a lot of promise. Even when he came off the bench against Leicester, I thought he did some really good things. The way he played a couple of key passes, which is not regularity for number 10s inside. You still only get one, uh, usually at most in games. So seeing that key pass, the couple of key passes from Odegaard to Saka was really encouraging. And eventually Lacazette is going to take over the role of Aubameyang in January and Odegaard is going to likely come into that position. We may even see Odegaard against Liverpool. It might make more sense to use him in the 4-2-3-1 than the 4-4-2-ish formation that we've been using. So uh, did we make a mistake? Look, I can't. It's, it's impossible to know because we don't know what would have happened if Zoboslai would have been at Arsenal. So I like Odegaard a lot. I love Zoboslai, but I can't say whether or not it was a mistake because we just don't know. Uh, Adam says, hey, Tom, sorry if you already answered this, but I just came in. Would you take Blahovic over a Nezri? Yes, I would. Uh, Mohamed says, how much do you think Ozymen would cost and how and would you like him at Arsenal? I think he would cost upwards of £80 million. And would I like him at Arsenal? Yes, but only if we spent that money and still knew that we were getting our other targets, is what I would say. Arjit says, Clive from Arsenal Vision said, I mean, he might be watching, so careful, Arjit. Uh, Clive from Arsenal Vision said, Pepe can be an option as a second striker. He is more dangerous through the middle. I agree. I think that you put Pepe close to the striker, he's going to be a lot more dangerous. His best part of his game, in my opinion, is his finishing, is his shooting. People might say, no, it's his dribbling, but I'm sorry, he really struggles to take on more than one player on the wide position. I'd play him close to the striker. I'd play him in this Lacazette role. I think it would suit him really well. 
I just don't think that it's going to happen under Arteta. Uh, and I think it's probably best if Arsenal look to move him on as soon as possible. Uh, let's scroll up. Have I missed anyone's questions? Jake says, do you think with Xhaka out and Partey and Elneny going off to the AFCON that they'll look to promote Patino or maybe even give Wilshire a play-as-you-play contract? Wilshire, absolutely not. There's no indication they'll be giving him a contract. There's no indication that he's impressing in training to uh, to kind of give him a, a contract. So I don't expect that to happen. What I would say is that in regards to the youth players, Patino is currently injured. Salah's the one that's really impressing right now. Will they promote? Arteta has been pretty reluctant to do so. He's only seen Salah put on the bench once as one kind of youth presence in any side so far this season. Yes, we haven't had European football, which is a big uh, knock to the possibility of seeing more kids. But what I would say is that I don't think Patino is going to be promoted just yet. I think that may happen next season. But who knows? Anything can happen. Things can change. Uh, what's my opinion on the revival of Klasnach? That there isn't one. Uh, Harun says, have you looked at Nkunku as a second striker? He's been superb this season and last season in that position. I like Nkunku. I think he's a versatile player that can play in multiple positions. Do I think that it'd be worth bringing him in? Absolutely, if we can get him in. I think he's a really, really solid player. I hope that answers your question. Um, uh, let's go, let's scroll up a little bit higher and see if I missed anyone's questions from earlier on. Apologies if I did so. Um, Dan, no, I've not yet checked out his 30-minute interview with Amy Lawrence. It's next on my list of things to do after I get off today's show, which is actually, as I just noticed, the time going over 30 minutes is going to be right now. Thank you so much for tuning in, people. Really appreciate your time. If you haven't already checked out the Canton and Simu show from yesterday on Harry Simu's Chronicles of Laguna channel, please make sure that you do. I'll be back a little bit later on this afternoon for the preview of the Watford game, so make sure you tune in for that as well. And then I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8am for your next episode of the Arsenal News Show, which will soon, as of December, be turning into the Arsenal Transfer News Show once again as we look ahead to the January window. I will see you on the next one. Have a fantastic day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.